In this installment of the AX Insider podcast, Andy Telejohn talks with Nick Baker, CEO and Creative Director at the Smart Design Group, a commercial design firm with expertise in the retail, travel, duty-free, and hospitality sectors. Hello, everyone. I'm Andy Telejohn, Senior Reporter with Airport Experience News and the host of the AX Insider podcast. Thanks for joining in today. We have with us today, Nick Baker, co-founder, CEO, and creative director of Smart Design Group. Smart Design Group is a commercial design firm out of Vancouver with expertise in the retail, travel, duty-free, and hospitality sectors. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Thanks, Andy. Yes. Uh, uh, so Smart Design Group recently came out with an offer uh, in, uh, in following up with all of this uh, 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 trying to figure out where the where the industry is going in relation to uh, COVID nineteen, with an offer to uh, provide some free consultancy work to members of the Airport Advisory Minority Council. Uh, yeah. What uh, what can you tell me about some of the details of uh, of that offer and uh, and how that's going so far? Uh, well, first and foremost, there you know the. Our motivator behind this more than anything is that this industry, I've been involved for over 25 years now, and it's been extremely good to me and to me and my company. It's the major part of us as a company ourselves and, um, you know, uh, constitutes probably about 90% of all of the revenue that we, we have. I wanted to give something back to the industry. I want to get the, the uh, industry back up and running, uh, which is a massive motivator once again. So, yeah, I want to I want to help, or we do as a company. We want to actually try and get to um, whatever the new new normality ever will be, and we know that there is a long road ahead for everybody. So, to try and kickstart all of this, and especially help out a lot of the minority kind of businesses which are out there, is to offer them, you know, a helping hand. Uh, to reach out to them and say to them, like, how can we uh, get you back involved quickly? I know that so many of them struggle in this this arena at the moment with uh, their focus on rents and rent relief, zero business. Um, but when business begins to kick back in, there's a number of initiatives that need to be put into place so that we can actually provide a safer environment for all of our passengers and for their staff and airport authority, airlines, the whole industry. So that was the motivator. Um, as I say, more really is that giving back uh, to the industry, which has been so good to us. The, um, we've had a, a very positive response, um, as, you can, as you can imagine. A lot of people have been more focused at the moment on uh, other issues, as you know, with regards to getting rent relief and uh, paying costs and trying to reduce even mags and going to percentage rents. But um, we have a number of uh, operators and even airport authorities which are uh, approaching us as well. We're beginning to look at how we're gonna be able to kick these uh, initiatives and um, safe distancing uh, into touch. And it's, and it's pretty complex, as you can imagine. I would imagine so, uh, and with uh, uh, I imagine you have gotten some positive response, uh, especially uh, in, 
light of uh, some of the costs that uh, go into building airport properties these days, uh, yep. anything you can get for free, I imagine folks are lining up for. But uh, so, ha have you had any takers? What are you finding in terms of uh, observations so far that uh, companies have about yep. uh, how they think things are going to have to change? I think, yeah, we have had takers. We're helping some of the, the major operators out there as well. Uh, without naming names, is that the approaches, and as I say, also airport authorities. We're also um, assisting uh, uh, ferry companies as well. So, you know, in transportation, how we're able to do that. And the other one, the other side of the industry that we work in is um, stadium and uh, arena. The same kind of scenario, big uh, venues, which have got thousands or tens of thousands of people. Uh, who are utilizing those premises every single day. But our job at the end of the day is about generating, you know, non-aeronautical or non-traditional means of uh, revenue. So that, as you know, has become the biggest focus for so many of the airports around the globe. Uh, we've been one of those companies over the last 20 plus years that's been pushing that forward, you know, reaching between 40, 50, and even above 50% around the globe to um, and now all of a sudden is that in the past as you know we had a an issue where we were trying to you know we need to get flow through and feed as many people as we possibly can or get people to go through their spaces but now we've got the additional headache of how do we space this out and uh, how do we get the additional space that's required how do we get the flow through into the actual stores themselves? And how do we begin to change people's philosophies of a different shopping experience or dining experience? And I know that many of us right now, you know, going back out into dining with somebody who's wearing a mask over their face is not a, the two, the, the two don't really go together. Hospitality and whatever, and the mask marauder being in front of you. <laughs> as you can imagine so it, it will develop and I think that gradually we'll, we'll find better answers and better initiatives but the the major one for us right now is you know getting people inside the actual spaces and dealing with lineups because airports as you know are not not all airports have quality of space some of, especially in the US, there's a lot of uh, old airport terminals and concourses which are so tight. And now we're going to add lineups, you know, six feet apart for people to be able to uh, wait in line to get there. You, you can just imagine the coffee in the morning once again and it's the, the, the grab and go for breakfast. Whereas we already have craziness that's happening. Now we're adding about, you know, we're, we're quadrupling that situation that we have. So right now, that they're the kind of things that we need to do. But we need to get everybody back, back into the flow of things. We need to get the confidence of passengers. And I think through the, these initiatives pushing forward, we'll actually give people the confidence to come back. I really do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and space uh, in some airports was an issue even before all of this came down. So, uh, you know, I mean, sort of on a, on a, on a more broad level, uh, where do you see, uh, you know, 
COVID changing airport design in the sense of uh, uh, you're talking about uh, keeping people six feet apart in a security line or at a coffee shop in the morning. Um, something has to go then. What's uh, What changes are we going to see uh, to fit all of this extra space in, uh, in these older buildings that aren't designed for this? Uh, there, there lies the question of how many of these initiatives and things that we're driving forward and how long they're going to last is probably the first question. You know, everybody is talking about once we have a vaccine um, and people become vaccinated, is that they're going to, you know, a lot of these re relaxations are going to happen. Are they going to happen? And, or are they here for good? And I wish I had the answer because I'd probably be worth a lot of, mo lot of money at the moment if I could uh, <laughs> gamble on that one. But I, um, it's a, it is a tough question. All I can give you is that my, my take on things. Um, prior to COVID happening, we, our biggest issue was the getting the flow through for the amount of space. So in airports, as we know, we have a higher degree of um, sales per square foot. Always has been. It's way out there. And that actually conjures up in regards to peak periods that we have going flying through the airports at that particular time, as you know, breakfast and then like the late you know, lunchtime and then early evenings in bars and stuff like that. Bars is a great example where they were a money earner. They made extremely good revenue. And now we can't have a full bar because we can't sit, if you're, you know, we can't sit people around a bar area and actually push them all through. So the models are going to be changing. That's first and foremost. So from my perspective, I know that the industry is um, looking. It's not just the the concessionaires and the operators themselves, but they're working hand in hand with the airport authorities to try and find ways and means that we can get through this and work for it. And that's obviously gonna boil down to how rent is determined. And maybe the day of the mag is kind of no longer, which is everybody's been discussing for many, many years. It's the big question once again, uh, and there you have it, but how can, it's going to be extremely difficult to define a mag moving forward, especially with you know the, the hit on traffic and also the the kind of rents that we're talking about because all of a sudden our revenues now are going to uh, have been you know, less than 50, 30 percent and in the future moving forward until we get the whole confidence back in the industry is that they're going to be squeezed to a point where uh, the sales just aren't going to meet what the overhead is. And there's going to be a tiny, tight, if, if any profit at all. We know that. So that's one mechanism. But the airports, from a space perspective, is that there's no real answer. I think that we're, what I'm, we're working on with other airports, not just in North America, but around the globe right now, is that how we're going to be able to, does it, does it change the way that people are going to use the airport? Um, will dwell times increase? Well, it's interesting because <laughs> dwell times will increase, not purely from the airline's perspective, you know it's going to be down to TSA once again and getting through security. So barrier number one is going to add to the dwell time and the anxiety and stress of the passenger. 
So it's already there over the last 20 years since 9-11 or 19 years or whatever. There's been phenomenal kind of uh, leaps and bounds where confidence and stress levels have gone down. Now, all of a sudden, we have another form of process, which is being uh, acting as a barrier between the concessionaires or the airport earning additional revenue to their passengers. Are you getting there quick enough and having enough time to go to spend in a restaurant, a bar, a store, or wherever it may be? So that's a big question. And that's only going to come back once again, which we all hope that COVID will be in the next 18 months, 24 months, something that we remember, but it's been dealt with and pushed aside. But this called us all off by guard. Me especially, I'm, you know, everybody knows me in the industry as being so optimistic. And uh, I believe that people's will to travel has, been, has not been marred. Everyone that I speak to would jump on a plane tomorrow, you know, including me. And once again, everybody knows that I'm on a plane every week, flying from one destination to the next. So we need to get that confidence level back. And I believe within the next, you know, 24 months or so, I hope and I truly believe that this will be something of the past and we'll be back to the kind of numbers that we originally had prior to this. Okay. Uh, well, with that, with that in mind, uh, so we're planning, uh, we're planning airport uh, infrastructure changes to deal with a pro problem that's going on right now. If, if your optimistic scenarios uh, take place and in 18, 24 months, we're relatively close to back to where we were during the uh, peak travel times, uh, then you're dealing with uh, the potential of having to redo infrastructure again to, to meet the higher needs. So how do you, how do you plan for the worst case scenario, but also have the best case scenario uh, in mind for uh, a few, a couple of years ago? That boils down to the, the initiatives being brought forward or some of the things that we've been recommending. We've come up with a, a plan of action, which is more to be about inform your, number one, inform your customers and your staff. You want your staff to feel first and foremost safe that they're in the environment that they're in. You know, we have it as a company ourselves. Um, I do not want my staff to, be, to feel in the slightest, in, no intimidation or feeling as if they're not able to come to work and um, how can I, with, with a fear hanging over their head. So first and foremost, because the face of the retailer needs to be exactly as it was prior to this situation going on. Friendly, engaging, and to be able to make people happy in sales, etc. With regards to the consumer, exactly the same thing goes. So the initiatives pushing forward needs to be to inform the customer, uh, which is mainly done through graphics and signage and spacing. But we've, we've come up with some things which are a lot more fun because I know that so much of this at the moment has been all about doom and gloom, which yes, it has, but at the same time, we've got to look on the bright side of it. You know, we're, um, it's more, we're doing things which are very linked to the brands that we're discussed, that we're, we're engaged with right now. 
and how that can actually flow through into some positive kind of culture, make someone laugh or uh, put a smile on their face. And then secondly is that make sure that uh, we try and get the flow through. So touchless, as you know, uh, touchless activations has been on everybody's mind for a very, very long time. Uh, self POSs have been around for a long, long time and every single operator out there has been looking at how they can actually uh, put that in prior to COVID happening or this situation. So that's going to make flow through a lot better for people because they can self-check, they're contactless. And with regards to uh, menus and in food and beverage, I think the industry, this is the toughest one with regards to how kitchens are being utilized i mean we're a we have a whole uh food service planning department um in smart so we're working with so many of the major operators out there and i think that that is out that is probably the the dominance of our work right now is to develop kitchens servering um and pos situations moving forward I, but back to your question, so minimizing the amount of capital cost, because no one at the moment wants to spend more and more money on top of the costs because they've got, not got the revenue which is coming in. That's why Smart were offering this as, you know, we're, we're giving back to the industry. But also, it, the kind of costs that we're talking about are, are quite minimal. They're really, really minimal. And I do consider they should be deemed as right now temporary but at least temporary from the perspective that they're going to come down because none of us want to live in a barrier society once again we've been talking about breaking the barriers away and now all of a sudden you know to sit in a table <laughs> with a, a plastic sheet between you and the person next to you i don't know I'm, I, in my mind that that's not great it's <laughs> not great business or a great experience. And it, it, there, there's, the, there's the word immediately. Airports have been striving for passenger experience. It's, it's the key word that's been on everybody's uh, minds for the past three, four, five years. Everyone writes about it, we write about it. All of our commercial strategies for airports or operators is all about how we can make experience for those passengers better and better and better. And this one, unfortunately, right now. That's why I think it should be deemed as being temporary until we get a better handle of what's going to be happening in the future. Okay. And minimizing the cost. Sure. I, uh, I came across some of the signage you referenced earlier. Again, we're with Nick Baker, the uh, CEO of Smart Design Group out of Vancouver. Uh, my favorite of the signs that I've uh, seen so far is the one that asks people to remember to stay one cow length apart. Uh, that uh, that uh, seemed like a good one uh, to me. Uh, you uh, you mentioned a couple of things: uh, uh, touchless uh, uh, touchless entry points and uh, uh, self POS systems, and so uh, in some ways, th those are changes that can be made to uh, mm. to uh, get us through the uh, the COVID time we're in right now, but also uh, probably stick around. Uh, Absolutely. even once uh, COVID is gone. So uh, 
you know, are there some ways that maybe uh, airports uh, and operators may emerge out of this uh, in better shape than they were heading into it? Uh, is, is that, yeah. and is that some of the goal for what you're talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, all of these kind of things that we've been dealing with purely from flow through perspective, I mean, the, the different demographics, number one, we went through the, the whole scenario with uh, every, uh, every person's a second word was millennial this, millennial that. And we're kind of, luckily, we've kind of got past the millennial day. Hopefully, we'll lose the word COVID soon as well, because that's another, that's another, another not a good word that none of us want to associate with. But uh, millennials went through that scenario where they, they did not want to engage. They didn't really want to, uh, they wanted to have a contactless kind of transit transaction. They wanted to be able to be free to do what they're doing. Now those things are beginning to come back. The confidence, I mean, think about online shopping, which has always been, it's been the demise of the retail, the high street, the, uh, the shopping malls, etc. And right now, during this period, those companies have been just burgeoning. You know, the Amazons of the world are benefiting big time from the situation that we're in right now. And it's just, the shame is, is that from our perspective is that from human beings, where we're human, humanists, we want contact, um, we want to explore, we want to go places. So the effect on the travel retail business has always been less than what it's ever been anywhere else. But right now, it, it, it still acts as a major barrier um, to, to gaining sales for, for, for our operators, which are out there and, and also going to rent for the uh, airport authorities. So I think that when it boils down to getting the transactions back to pre-COVID time, all of these initiatives are already in place. They, they have been for a long, long time. And every operator out there I know is going through, you know, uh, self pre-purchase, self-purchase, you know, there's checkouts, etc., to get the actual flow and not have the lineups, to be honest with you, pre-ordering for uh, food and beverage. You know, all of the companies which are out there over the last few years of putting their uh, money into new technology to be able to do that have been benefiting, benefiting from it. So they're all positive stuff. Uh, even down to, as you know, you're sitting at your, you know, we've been talking about this for the last number of years and we've been putting it in integrated gate hold areas. You sit at your gate, you use your phone, you log on to um whatever brand that you want to purchase something from and it's delivered to you at your particular spot that's we're going to see more and more and more of that and that's a joint initiative that the airport authorities and the uh operator needs to do uh, we've been a we've been uh trying to push more and more uh, around the globe is that the initiative needs to come from the airport authority first because they need to own that technology and then all of the operators can become part of that as a master master concession plan as such. So, yeah, I'm not talking about master concessionaire, but that is the landlord at the end of the day. That is our airport authority. They're the ones that need to drive those initiatives. 
And yeah, there's a cost associated, which each of the concessionaires can uh, 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 can add into it. So um, the same as joint marketing. You know, when you walk into the airport, as you know, every airport under the sun there has its own uh, uh, social media feed. And it should, the, the single most message that should pop up as soon as you enter that airport now is please feel safe. You're in our hands. Come and enjoy uh, the experience. Come and enjoy our retail areas, our lounges, our you know, food and beverage, and um, our public spaces. But they, I honestly do believe that they are the ones that need to have the, the major push in this. Yeah, more than anybody. Okay. Uh, you touched on it a bit earlier, but the state of the U.S. airport infrastructure uh, in a lot of uh, places, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of airports have gone through several renovations to even get to where they are. Uh, after 9-11, a lot of the security uh, uh, checkpoints were, you know, changed up and concessions plans, as you mentioned, non-aeronautical revenue has been more and more important. Uh, mm -hmm. Does the state of the uh, airport infrastructure in the country you know, help or hinder making some of these changes you're talking about? And uh, is there a chance that some of this down the line leads to, uh, you know, more new construction? Uh, anything along those lines? What are your thoughts on mm. that? Well, the big. Uh, let me start off with another. The big question in the industry. I mean, I've lived. I've lived over here for twenty, twenty plus years now. So. Um, I, the big question has always been about privatization, as you know. Sure. And it's, it's capital infrastructure. It's third parties that want to get involved to develop airports. And the North American, uh, I say North American, Canada is a little bit better positioned than that because of the way that uh, the airports are structured. Um, as you know, many of them have capitalization fees, which are attached to them as well, like my lovely airport here in Vancouver. Uh, but in the States, unfortunately, is that there is so many airports that require, you know, it's the oldest market, but also at the same time is that the airports and the infrastructure are so tired and they need major infrastructure to be able to get to the point of, Asia and Europe and the Middle East and to those kind of standards. And there's been lots of things written about it in the past. And I'd say that every single one of our uh, airport clients, landlords in the States, have been sat, they, they benchmark these fabulous airports all over the globe and say, we want to be like that. But that takes money, space, infrastructure um, to be able to do it. So my... <laughs> I suppose, yeah, my answer is, is that it's about capital and getting in private equity coming into American airports, which is going to be, it, it's been happening, as you know, but in smaller kind of packages. I mean, you have, you know, many companies like uh, Vantage, you've got Frapport, yeah, you know, Westfield, obviously, with regards to what they've been doing, and they've done an incredible job. But most of that is related, as you know, to uh, the retail and uh, uh, construction side or non-aeronautical. What we're now talking about is that airport authorities or third-party investors coming in to really support capital infrastructure. And, and we're talking billions, as you know, Andy. It's not 
if not into the trillions because of the amount of money that needs to be made. And it, even with the huge bailout, which the government gave the airport, as you know, that all that did was basically finance bonds at the end of the day. It wasn't really do it wasn't doing anything else, and it was just financing bonds, which they currently had. What you so I'm wondering, moving ahead, and I know it, I'm not the only person that's saying this. Everybody else is that is it now the final is the final frontier going to be <laughs> some privatization in uh, the U.S. airports? Maybe it's been tried, as you know. And failed a few times, but I think now may be the uh, the momentum that moves that forward. Yeah. So that so then you will end up with the you know it, it, as you know yourself is that you go through every single year is that when the awards come out with regards to the top airports around the world. Unfortunately, there's not one U.S. airport which tucks in there. I know that you know Vancouver, Toronto um, are always well mentioned in, in, in the top bag, but like in the U.S., it's very, very difficult. It really is because the, the it boils down to infrastructure, the services, the experience, etc. But they're getting better and better. Don't get me wrong; they really are. We have a couple of. Um, airports that we're working with right now, which we're looking at. Uh, integrating new infrastructure and new passenger experiences, um, and they are—I—I I, I would say they're new blood. They're looking at a really open-minded kind of scenario for pushing that forward. They believe that, you know, what I've always believed at the end of the day: if you give the experience to someone, the money will actually pay. It—it it does pay for itself. It begins to, if you put the infrastructure in, you tell a good story. You give a great piece of support there and you give the public or the, the, the traveling public what they want and you're in tune with them is that it, you will amortize back the capital costs. That's, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer. And I know that so much of the capital costs go into things which we don't see, which is the issue. So many American airports with regards to their, um, uh, their tarmac issues that they have, the bridges and everything else that needs renewing and supporting, costing billions and billions of dollars. So I believe that there needs to be a new strategy moving forward that how are you going to be able to keep growing non-aeronautical revenue uh, for the airports, support the airport authorities, get and then reinvest that money and cash into the solid infrastructure that they require for, you know, aeronautical elements. Because the airlines, as you know, right now are poor. They're in a bad, bad way. The only thing they've got on their side is low fuel prices. For now. <laughs> True enough. Well, uh, you've, uh, you've hit on the questions I came with. Uh, again, Nick Baker, CEO of Smart Design Group. Is there anything you'd like to add uh, that we haven't hit on yet. No, just I. I just want, like I. This industry is one of the most enlightening industries that I've ever uh, been part of. Um, 
from my perspective is that you know i i fell into this many many years ago when i was um back in the uk and then i came over to north america and it's exciting it has all of the elements of progression which it does as i said earlier on in the uh, call is that there's no other industry which is literally globally this is that's had the growth that the travel industry um, has i think that us as human beings all want to travel we all have the urge to jump on a plane we all have the urge to go to different parts of the world and to explore those those environments we just need to make life more accessible than what it is right now most of us feel very very trapped um we've been lucky in in vancouver very very lucky because we have the space and some of the lowest kind of numbers out there i think in the world with regards to uh, uh, people who have been affected but um i can't wait to get back in see everybody uh start traveling again get down to my home in napa which i'm better for <laughs> which i'm not allowed out I'm not, we're not allowed out of uh, Canada at the moment um, because they don't consider that to be essential. Get back, get back into it. Yeah, and I, I honestly believe it's going to be short-lived. Right? When I say short-lived, I think we've got a good. You know, this time next year, we're beginning to see. We're, we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel right now, and. This time next year, I really truly believe that we'll have some of the worst behind us and we'll be pushing forward again. Um, and I hope that all of my friends, colleagues, and people in that industry are still with us and um, as optimistic as what I am. I think that would be music to the uh, entire industry's ears. Uh, yeah. uh, Nick Baker, thanks for taking the time. CEO of Smart Design Group, appreciate your joining us uh, this afternoon. All right. Have a good one. Thank you.